Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Trainee Talk. My name is Jason and I'm the founder of TCLA. So welcome to episode 25, the final episode of 2019. I wanted to thank you guys for listening. When we started Training Talk, we were never really sure podcasts would work in this space, and I've been amazed at the number of people that have mentioned that they enjoy this podcast. So today's episode is a bit different. I spoke to Jonty Bowskill, who is a customer success manager at Wazoku. Now Jonty took a different route and ended up in the field of legal technology, previously working at Neosologic as a legal tech consultant. And if that company sounds familiar to you, that might be because they were in Alan Overy's Fuse, which is their legal tech incubator. In this episode, we talk about what it was like to work there. We discuss what legal tech is, what are some of the benefits and challenges, and how you can build your knowledge if you're interested in this space. I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by John T. Bowskill, who is a customer success manager at Wazoku. John T., welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Maybe it'll help if I give some background to listeners about how we first started talking. So we first started talking through the student room uh, a couple of years back when you wrote some articles on legal technology for TCLA. Then we met within Fuse. Uh, so you were working at Neotologic. And then I understand you've now moved into a different role. I wonder if you can just yeah give a brief about the journey you've taken so far and how you ended up where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I studied a law degree initially, did a, a few placements, did some work experience, sort of saw what was on offer down the more sort of corporate legal route, um, but had for a long time harbored more interest in technology. So I, I reached out to a, a number of people on LinkedIn and, and started to speak to them around legal technology and, and, and what they see as the, the sort of future and just to find out tips and, and various other avenues that I could go down after finishing up with law. Um, the One of them started to speak to me specifically around legal tech, started to almost coach me on that. So he was working as a management consultant at the time. And um, off the back of that, I started reaching out specifically to legal tech companies, um, started to, to go along to legal tech evening, started to meet people within the sector, managed to get some work out of it, and then managed to get a job out of it at the end of it with Neotologic. So um, moving around into automation of, of various areas of, of law, such as um, workflow and, and document automation. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really interesting sector to work in. But at the time, I think it was all probably a little bit too new. Mm. Um, so some of the, the various um, correlations that have been, I've started to see recently in the sector, they weren't really around back then. So it was all a little bit too early stage, I think, when I joined. I remember when you first started talking that to me, I hadn't really heard about it before. So uh, yeah, it's crazy how much since then, how much I hear about legal technology now. Yeah. Out of interest, like at the time, what was it about legal technology that interested you and why did you decide not to go down the like corporate law path? So I wasn't particularly interested in corporate law, the, the sort of day-to-day tasks, the relatively repetitive or, or monotonous um, work that, that could become a part of it, Yeah, the, the long hours. And, and also, I, I have never enjoyed a corporate environment. I'm with you there. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very much more at home in, in the kind of environments that I've worked in. So startup companies, scale-up companies, where you, you have a far wider range of responsibilities and, and a lot more potential of, of taking on new projects and new areas of work. Yeah. 
And um, so that, that's kind of why I started to look into technology as a career. And the reason I went into legal tech specifically was because uh, I, I didn't want to waste uh, a three-year law degree. Um, so I, <laughs> I decided to, to give that one a go first, just because I, I knew it was a sector that was relatively on the cusp of, of exploding. You had a whole bunch of different startups and, and scale-up incubators being set up. You had Fused with Alan Overy that I was lucky enough to be a part of for, for six months, which was a, a really good learning experience. And um, since then, it's it's really only gone on and, and grown. So you you have Mishkondorea's labs, you have uh, Denton's Next Law, you have a whole bunch of law firms setting up fintech and, and legal tech incubators, which I think is a is a pretty interesting trend. We hear a lot about Alan Novery's Fuse in particular. For you, like working within a company that was then based in yeah Alan Novery and within the Fuse part, what was that like for you? Uh, did you have much interaction with the lawyers there? Yes. So we were generally brought in when the lawyers had a few use cases so we could talk it over with them. So a lot of our day in Fuse was spent doing our more day-to-day work, so with, with other law firms and, and other clients. Mm-hmm. But we also had access to a number of companies that were coming into Fuse to be able to, to pitch to them and, and show them our technology. So they would be Alan and Overy's clients that they would bring in, and as part of it would show them their, their Fuse incubator. Right. We also had access to – so they, they would all be sort of corporate legal people – and then we also had access as well to, to Alan Overy's lawyers. Whenever they had use cases, they would come down to Fuse and, and, and we would sit down and speak to them and start to map it out with them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the work I was doing at the time was was what would be considered in other sectors pre-sales. So a lot of um, early stage use cases and, and storyboarding out what the app could look like. And then um, actually going on to, to work with them to develop it out. And I guess the, the single best thing about working in Fuse is that you had casual access to the stakeholders that you you work with over at those clients. So you start to create relationships with them that you you wouldn't usually be able to foster in the same way. So Alan Over is a client of mine now as well. I was going to say, yeah, so they, those relationships have carried through uh, even till now? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I still work with the same stakeholders that I worked with at Neota in my current company. Wow. And um the, the work that I did at Neota has really made it a lot easier for them to, to feel comfortable to ask me questions and, and also just, just put me into a room with somebody because they, they know that I come from that background and, and I, I know the firm. So they don't feel the need in, in being a part of some of the sessions that I still do with the lawyers now. And, and that all came from being able to work with them in Fuse. It sounds like it's kind of a, when you're working with these clients, it's kind of a journey to explain the use cases for legal technology, uh, especially probably back then when you were first starting. What was that like when you first started kind of pitching the use cases for Neota? Did you find many people were receptive to it or, or did it take like a bit longer for them to, to really grab the idea? So luckily with, with Alan and Overy, they have a whole delivery team. So the way they're set up, they have a bunch of people who are A&O staff who also want to, to try and push technology into the into the law firm itself. So they did a lot of the pre-work before they came down to us. Right. So we didn't have the same kind of sessions with them that, that we saw with other law firms where we would go in and, and we would talk to them about potential use of technology and, and they would be or, or pretend to be interested in it and then we would never hear from them again. 
Yeah. Um, we very know there was a lot more tangible results purely off the, the work that the, the legal tech delivery team were putting in beforehand. Mm-hmm. But there's also a, or certainly when I was in the sector, there was a lot of skepticism over it. So there was a lot of people wondering primarily how they would go about monetizing it mm-hmm. rather than almost seeing it from a, another point of view that, that rather than monetizing this, you're actually automating this particular process which means that that's something you would otherwise be spending time on, you're now freed up so you can go and work on other projects. Mm. And there wasn't that same kind of sort of acceptance of that in, in other law firms. So it was, a, it was very much a struggle there. It might help in case some people are quite new to like legal tech and also what Neota does. So how would you explain what legal technology is? And also what was Neota actually doing? What did it offer to its clients? Absolutely. Um, So legal technology is any form of technology that works within law. It doesn't have to be automation. It doesn't have to be AI. It can be anything from things like Contract Express, which is still, in theory, document automation, but it's it's far more like document generation. And it's it's any technology that starts to take the the weight off the lawyer's shoulders um, and starts to make their job easier. So what Neota was specifically doing was automation of workflows, automation of processes and automations of documents. So they would create digital applications that would allow anyone who had the link to go on and and effectively either uh, receive legal advice on a specific issue or um, potentially follow through a a workflow like a non-disclosure agreement workflow with the non-disclosure agreement being generated at the end based off the input during the whole digital application so so you effectively start to be able to do things like like negotiate and, and generate ndas in in half the time or or even shorter maybe hours um, rather than spending weeks on email going backwards and forwards you can do it all via one online platform where everything's stored everything's tracked all the the data is there you can measure exactly how long it takes to get a response to a particular clause and and you can start to really start to put data metrics around it mm-hmm. so you can start to actually make better decisions and also be able to um to to make it easier on the on the lawyer to to make a decision so is the primary pitch at least in Neota's case was it the speed of being able to have what you wanted to do automated um, so you're just like submitting information and it does like the bulk of it for you or was it also these factors like cost and accuracy uh, what was like the weighting of the benefits there absolutely so to give you a little bit of background then I don't know how it is in the in the law firms you've worked in but most of the lawyers I spoke to when they spoke about creating a document as simple as even an NDA Mm. Uh, so that's the example that always gets held up because it's such a commonly created document but generally speaking they would have a word document and they would go in and they would control f and they would find the areas that they need to change and then they would save it in their either in their, if they were lucky enough to have online storage, otherwise in their, their local storage, and then they would send it on email over to someone, and then that person over there would get the email. Um, if they don't get back to them right away, they would have to make a note somewhere to chase them on it. They would have to search through their emails to, to try and find the, the latest correspondence. Uh, then they would have to read the markup notes on, on the areas that the, the other company um, weren't happy with in the NDA and then they would have to change that and then send it back to them and then and it just becomes this incredible administrative and, and manual process mm. for something that is 
realistically an incredibly commonly used legal document, such as a, a non-disclosure agreement. So the benefit of the platform is you can have a bunch of templates. You can um, fill in the information. It will just pop up on the screen saying party name, party address, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then you fill all of that in. You decide whether you want them to be able to negotiate or not, whether you want them to be able to, um, you know, you can build out how many steps you want in the workflow, and then you can track it all the way through as well. So the benefit is it becomes a lot easier to actually generate these. They're all standardized. They're all based off the input that you're putting into them. Um, but also it becomes a lot quicker as well because it's far easier to see exactly where you're up to. It's easy to send out a notification to the people. And, and this is just one example of a document that can be automated, such as an NDA. You can do this with, with anything you want, including legal advice as well. Sounds like you've become very good at pitching this. <laughs> I, I'm sold here. Out of interest, like if there were cases where you did have to talk this through with law firms, what kind of objections or like uh, worries would they have about this, or, or or even did they have any? Like, were they quite easy to to be convinced about its use? Generally speaking, a lot of people didn't see the value in changing what's already been done, mm -hmm. so they see the the value in changing an, an existing process. And this is this is not just in the legal sector; it's rife across a number of other sectors as well, like healthcare and and financial institutions. Um, I, the idea that they would change something that's been working for decades is to them pointless and also risky. Mm. So risk comes up quite a lot, but also the the initial um, time investment as well. So if if they are going to generate a an online platform for um, sort of creating NDAs and, and all of that, then there is a bit of work that goes into it at the start. So it's short-term versus long-term benefits. So it, it becomes um, almost like a, a, an argument from them that it is something they would love to do, but right now they just want to concentrate on their billable targets because in reality, right. this isn't something that's going to help them in the short term. Whereas in the short term, if they can concentrate on their billables, then maybe at some point in the long term, they can uh, they can start to make a change that will help them. And, and so you end up in this this weird endless cycle, this this catch twenty two, where they know that in the long term this will save them a lot of time, but they know that in the short term they don't have the time to do this. And so that's what that's the problem. I guess you need one person that's got the decision making power and is like really a big believer in this stuff to carry it through within the, the law firm uh, was that your experience that you need someone that kind of already buys the case of legal technology absolutely you you really need that person who is well versed enough that they can uh, they they can traverse the the internal barriers mm -hmm. but also incredibly enthusiastic so that every single time they get told no it's not going to it's not going to kill them <laughs> um, so I, I've seen great examples of this and I've seen poor examples of this. Um, a great example of this is is a guy called Nitish um, over at Allen & Overy. So he heads up, he's the senior manager for, for the I2 department, which is their internal um, innovation department. Mm -hmm. And he's a wonderful stakeholder to have. Um, and then I've seen terrible examples where people have said, look, we, we need tangible results to get this. And then we need even further tangible results to continue proving this. Um, because my law firm needs overproving on every single new concept before they'll even consider doing it. So you, that that internal stakeholder that that's good enough to to drive it internally is is absolute gold dust at the moment in the legal sector. 
When it comes to convincing a law firm like that, how does a, a company go about doing it? Is it a case of like demos, um, sending them information, like doing training? Like what kind of ways do you go about trying to present what legal tech does to a law firm? So I guess the, the first problem you want to find out is exactly what their needs are at the moment and, right. and, and what, what's hurting them right now. Off the back of that, you can start to, to create or, or start to create a demo that will um, actually begin to solve these, these problems. Then once you've demoed to them, you can start to also use other customer stories as well. So the legal sector weren't overly open about um, people sharing what law firms are doing. But in my current company, for example, most of the customers I work with are more than happy to speak to other customers. They're, they're happy to have them over and, and show them what they're using the platform for. And that kind of third-party validation is incredibly crucial. Right. Because as soon as they see tangible results in other companies, as soon as they see that it does work, and it's not just us trying to sell them something, then um, it, it really starts to, to come together for them in their head. And it becomes a lot easier to push them on it. Um, so we're hearing about legal tech at the moment, at least from like a perspective of an aspiring lawyer. Um, it's just, yeah, we see it all the time. How much in your view would you say is kind of hype and um, law firms trying to make it seem like they're using legal technology because it's, you know, they want to seem to be innovative, et cetera. And how much of it is actually like, things are really changing there is real legal technology being used real like ai and it's really going to disrupt the sector how much of it would you say is hype versus that okay <laughs> <laughs> so big topic yeah big topic um so my problem with legal technology is the same problem that i had when i worked in the sector there are a number of small startup scale-up companies who do a specific area and they're very good at it. So you've got company A and then you have company B that does another um, similar but not quite overlapping area. And then you have company C, which does the bit that neither of those other companies do. And so you don't have that, that one suite um, that, that you do in a, in a lot of other um, sort of technology areas. You don't have that that sort of one solution, that joined up solution. So those integrations start to become very important. And there are companies that do a lot of integrations and, and work with other companies. But equally as well, you have a lot of siloed technology companies. And what that means is a law firm to be able to do process X properly, they need to also use company A, they need to use company B, and then they need to use company C. And so it starts to, first of all, get quite expensive for them, both in terms of actual software costs, mm. but also in terms of training and time spent and all of that kind of stuff. So I think until you start to see really joined up solutions that cover a number of areas, then um, law firms are always going to have the, the problem with technology of, of where does this actually fit into their day-to-day -day process. But also a number of companies are, are more than happy to use it as a marketing of area so that they're happy to shout about technology they're happy to say we've done this and we've done that purely so their clients themselves start to um start to see that, that actually this law firm is different and this law firm is looking for a better way how many of them are actually looking for a better way is a is a is a big question mark right. but 
I do think that as technology continues to to develop and mature, then first of all, you'll start to see more joined up solutions. Mm-hmm. And that means that, that law firms will be able to use them for a whole lot more than, than purely marketing or, or experimenting. But quite frankly, at the moment, there is a, for me, there's a question mark over why automate one very specific area of regulations within a financial banking practice? Well, the other 943,000 regulations on automated. Right. Um, and so <laughs> it starts to become more of a what's the actual point of doing this? Because it's going to take us a millennia to get to a point where we've automated enough of this to, to really make it worth their while in terms of software costs and development um, investment. So what I, I was thinking about it earlier today when I, I knew we were going to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there is a huge chance for the big four in this. So I I sort of hesitate to call them accounting companies, given that so little of their revenue comes from accounting now. But um, so they all have budding legal practices that have been going for a a few years now, and they're trying to find their mark within the the legal tech world um, and, and within the legal sector itself. And they have a, you know, a number of them have, have great legal practices already, but they also have the advantage that PwC, KPMG, EY and Deloitte are all excellent as a whole at things like change management and transformation, digital transformation. So bringing technology into their day to day work. I've seen great examples of this in companies, um, which only goes to show that, that, that law firms I'm nowhere near good enough yet at, at sort of digital transformation. Right. And so I think there's a huge um, chance there for, for the big four to, to make a huge impact within the legal sector by offering far more digitally savvy solutions rather than the old fashioned, come in, sit down, let's talk through your problems or email or phone calls or, or anything like that, that a lot of the, the law firms still show. When you say digital transformation, are you saying just a lot of the services they're providing, they're using technology uh, for that? So I don't know enough about the big four's day-to-day practices. Mm-hmm. All I can see is the the investment that they're putting into legal tech. Right. So I think there's only one of them now that doesn't have a legal tech um, incubator or, or legal tech arm. Yeah. Uh, that, for me, should be a big warning sign for the legal sector because these companies are well-versed in digital transformation. And by digital transformation, I quite literally mean bringing, at at its barest sense, bringing technology into day-to-day work to begin to automate, streamline, make everything a lot easier. And also change management as well. I'm still not wholly convinced at how good law firms are at change management. So the idea that you would bring in a new technology, where's the, the process in supporting rolling out that technology? Why are there still so many lawyers in law firms that, that don't exactly know what technologies they, they actually have access to already? And this, this all comes back to change management. This all comes back to both the adoption and rollout of technology. And this is where the big four have a, have a huge advantage because they have been doing this for a long time in other sectors. So this is actually a popular interview question, which is like, what are some of the challenges facing law firms at the moment? And yeah, that's definitely a useful thing to note about the rise of the big four in this space, how they've 
kind of increasingly encroaching on the legal sector. And then plus your point about how much they're investing in legal tech, that could be like this big differentiator for them. Absolutely. And I, I guess the sort of problems are still the same. You you have lawyers, you have people who are who are trained to be risk averse. You have people who are trained to be short term focused in terms of their, their work. Yeah. Um, and neither of these tend to lend themselves well to digital transformation purely because they don't want to change what they've already been doing for fear that it might not work. They don't want to spend all this time investing in, in legal tech solutions because that means time is spent away from their, their typical roles. You don't have the same leeway in a lot of firms that you would have in companies to be able to start to experiment and try and figure out better ways of doing things. It's not, it's not something that's encouraged. Why do you think law firms... So when you first started going into the, this process, why were they now starting to respond to legal technology at least a little bit? And why do you think that has picked up the pace so much in like the last couple of years? I think there's a number of things. Well, for a start, there's a lot of competition in the legal sector. So as soon as other law firms start to do something, if it looks like it's, it's either going to work or going to continue to work, then other law firms look to pick it up. So as soon as you see or start to see some of the big law firms thinking about technology, even if it's just a marketing point of view, then other firms will start to pick it up because they don't want to fall behind. And then as soon as more and more people start to pick it up, some people actually start to find a use for it. And once they've found a use for it, other law firms are like, well, we're going to have to do this now. And so they, they continue to develop it out. And so it becomes almost like this 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 weird race between law firms like a, almost like an arms race to try and get the best technology in place because other law firms are doing it so it, it's only going to continue as well i think um with, with more and more law firms investing in technology and actually finding uses for it mm. um because i don't see the situation i was in in my last company where we had a law firm signed up who had never used us they had us for a, a year maybe two years and they never once used us no matter how many times we reached out to them really Right. That's just because they, you know, they, they purely wanted the market, marketing. <laughs> they wanted to be able to say, we're working with Neotologic. Right. I'm amazed by that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. But also what's, what's really interesting as well is the, is the development from, from law firms to, to recognize that they actually need to start creating more and more internal um, resources for their, their lawyers because their lawyers don't have the time realistically to sit there and mark up a bunch of contracts for, for automation or, or sit down and, and start to create digital applications. It's realistically going to fall down to, to other people. And so A&O set up Fuse, which is both a, a startup scale-up um, mm-hmm. house. <laughs> they don't like calling it an incubator house or an Yeah. They would call it a, um, a community. And... Also, they have a number of staff in there as well who work uh, in between the, the technology companies and the in-house lawyers. Um, Norton Rose have, have a whole hub up in Newcastle where they, they have a, a bunch of people concentrated on this. Uh, Clifford Chance have, have a big hub. Um, like Lots of companies are now setting up these hubs mm-hmm. where they recognize that they need a different kind of internal resource to, to work on this. And that's really good news, I think, for for people who are, are currently studying a law degree or, 
or looking at a career in law, but but don't necessarily want to become sort of traditional solicitors. Mm. And that's that's kind of being reflected as well with a lot of the roles that are on offer. So you you see a lot more training contracts now being set up, which aren't necessarily law focused, but are, are legal tech focused. So A&O have one and, and a number of other law firms have set them up now as well. And, and that's quite an interesting change that they, they've started to recognize. Just based on your role as like a legal tech consultant um, in your previous role, like what do you think are the kind of skills that are useful? Does coding matter uh, or is it more about different sorts of skills that would be useful? So I don't think coding matters too much. Um, I mean, I wouldn't discourage anybody if they were interested in legal tech from also messing around a bit with coding. I think the thing that, that matters a lot more is is almost more logic focused so being able to create if then statements being able to to actually see and 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 map out things like decision trees Mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily coding but it's almost being able to to graphically work your mind in that way and that'll mainly come with practice anyway but um you know if people wanted to start messing around with 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 various areas such as decision trees then you know that that would also be a a pretty good start if they start to understand how workflows work as well but the other thing is if if people are genuinely interested in a, in a career in law then i would also recommend they start to reach out to legal tech companies and, and start to see if they can do an internship or or get some work experience or or purely just some shadowing or, or anything such as that because um above me first it's a it's a good experience on their cv it's an interesting topic to bring up in in um, interviews, but also it might open their their eyes a little bit to a, a different career and a different world that, that they might actually enjoy more. We ran an event recently and the guy talking about legal tech, he basically said that it's like you'd be amazed at how open legal tech companies are to like whether it's just meeting up with people and sharing advice or giving them an insight into the work that they're doing. It's like a different way to to demonstrate your interest in like this field, and it's probably quite an interesting area as well that might have more availability than, yeah, trying to get work experience at like the standard commercial law firms. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I I also know somebody who worked who interned in a legal tech company uh, for a summer, and then off the back of that got a training contract. Right. Um, it's just you know some of the areas are purely around setting yourself apart mm-hmm. and then some of it is genuinely just about learning new skills because in reality this this technology is is coming it might be in in, in sort of drips and drabs but it, it is coming and it's only going to develop more over the years um, as you start to see either more joined up solutions or or some of the bigger players coming into it like amazon for example mm. um you know, it's, it's only going to continue to develop out. And so having these kind of skills will will not just be a CV boost, but also a, a bit of a necessity. And then your existing role, are you still working with law firms? Does it have still this like, legal tech link or is it slightly broader than that? Um, so I, I work across multiple industries, which is pretty interesting because I get to see how different industries do it and how bad some industries are at doing it. So I, I work now more generally in, in innovation. Um, so I, the, the company I work for, Zoku, is, is idea management. So it's the idea that, that you can create campaigns around either a business problem or, or an area you'd like to improve or, or an area you'd like to begin working in. 
and then you can you can set it out as a as a challenge to your employees or or supply chain or or customers and get them to to submit ideas which you can then sort of develop and, and evaluate and implement via the platform it becomes a, a very interesting sort of way of, of working with with other companies what we generally do with with a and o at the moment there's a big forbes article that you can read about their work mm-hmm. um but it's a it's an interesting read as well but generally they they use it for things like use case capture so they'll go internally and and ask for use cases for technology and then off the back of that begin to develop out um, products or, or, or sort of prototypes or, or proof of concept. And then you have other companies as well using it for, for various other things, right from how can we improve life in this company, right through to how can this company go green or how can we improve processes or, or anything like that. So it's quite an interesting and, and varied mix. And I do have a few law firms still that I work with. And it is very interesting to try and sort of pass over the the teachings from other industries um, in the legal sector and and see the barriers that exist there. You said uh, so the relationships is one thing that's carried through from your previous role, just in terms of working in Neota when it was fairly small, like a startup. Uh, what kind of benefits uh, did you get from that previous role that's kind of useful now? So I learned a number of different things. So a lot of my role was spent sort of traveling around and, and working with clients who, who might have an idea for a use case and, and being able to question them, drag out the kind of information that we're looking for. Um, and then off the back of that, be able to create workflows and, and a storyboard of, um, of what the app could look like. And that's also when I found out how incredibly annoying PowerPoint can be. Um, that's the technology that I was using to effectively and, and rather rudimentary mentally um, sort of Photoshop, if you like, all of these these various potential apps. Um, but that also created a lot of good skills in, fo- in, in PowerPoint. That's good. Um, but also, I mean, the role was so, so varied mm. that um, I, I sort of learned a, a wide range of, of things, right from presenting all the way through to documentation and and how to effectively manage a project and how to develop out an application and, and how to um, work with a customer when when they don't think it's actually what they want and, and, and all of these kind of things. So it was a, it was a really interesting interesting role and one from which I, I learned a lot of transferable skills. Is there anything more useful than PowerPoint for presenting your ideas? Not using anything? <laughs> Very, yeah. yeah, just speaking through your, your notes. Just speaking of... Is often there. there's there's become an almost um, weird fascination when people know they're speaking to 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 create slides because you create slides, but in reality, unless you unless the slides are actually going to help, then you don't really need it because they're just going to serve as a distraction behind you, and people are going to just stare at your slides and read the words rather than staring at you and zone out. Yeah, I, I did a few talks recently and so I started off like scripting my talk mm. and then I realized like if I went slightly off script, it just like made me forget the rest of the presentation. Uh, and then I started like, yeah, putting one idea per slide on a PowerPoint just so you don't keep distracting the, the audience from looking at the amount of text on the screen. I read somewhere, it was someone who worked over at Google was doing an interview and they said that they have a, a rule of maximum three bullet points per PowerPoint presentation and ideally keep each PowerPoint slide to one bullet point or alternatively just use pictures because apparently if you use pictures you retain 70% of the information right 
Um, I like how yeah. we've become a PowerPoint training session here. <laughs> it is useful <laughs> stuff, though, the amount of presentations that you have to do. <laughs> I mean, that's really all the questions I had. Is there any like final kind of bits of advice for people, let's say, interested in pursuing a career in legal tech in particular? Um, I know you were doing it at the time when there wasn't anywhere near as much information, I think, out there compared mm. to how much information there is now. But what advice would you have for people trying to learn more about this area and also trying to pursue a career in this area? Yeah. So a number of sort of different points. So first of all, read what you can read about the sector. So there's there's so many good websites out there now that cover various updates and news and and that kind of stuff, like anything from um, Artificial Lawyer, which is a a sort of great sort of news site that that does daily articles about um, what's happening in the legal sector. And then there's, there's a whole bunch of other ones as well out there. So just generally look out for those legal tech news sites and, and start to subscribe and, and get updates from them. There's also a lot of literature out there. Richard Susskind, couldn't get for an interview without mentioning him. <laughs> so true. So much stuff now. Uh, so many books. But I would say The Future of the Professions is, is the one that I would recommend because it has a lot of interesting thoughts in it. Um, mm-hmm. And again, anyone that does read it, I wouldn't worry too much about taking in everything. I would just read it once and then, you know, potentially sit down and read it again another time. And you'll start to get the gists of, of what he's saying. Um, outside of that, I would say reach out to, to people that already work in, in legal tech. Figure out what kind of companies interest you and then um, and, and what exactly they're doing. And then start to reach out and, and go for coffees and, and start to build relationships up with them because people – love talking about what they do in that kind of sector um, mm. because that's that's kind of why they're in it and not most of them aren't in it to make money because there's not a huge amount of money currently in legal tech um, and and so they're, they're in it because they they genuinely have a passion for for trying to change a sector so reach out to them and, and set up coffees you'll find most of them via LinkedIn and and when I did it everyone was was incredibly open to it and then off the back of that, I got a few different job offers. So the other thing as well is to to start attending various um, events. So if you apps like Meetup, you'll be able to start finding legal tech or law tech events. Um, your Their own universities will probably have some kind of things running now within it. And um, they can also sort of go to any any external events as well. And um, and yeah, just, just start to network at, at those events and, and start to meet people. Amazing. This is a very hot topic now for like interviews and and just people going into the space. So thank you so much for coming on and just kind of breaking down legal technology and your experiences uh, being within the sector so far. Yeah, absolutely. No worries. And thank you very much for having me. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode. If you want an easy way to support the podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave us a rating or even a review. It goes a long way to helping others find the podcast, so your support is very much appreciated.